3: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
4: I started studying, hey, what do do all these successful people have in common? You know, whether it was the mattress dealer, the car dealer, the furniture dealer, or Elon Musk. They spend money man. You know, they spend money. They spend a lot of money. And they don't worry about money the way I was worried about it. They use money. You know, they used it. They didn't save it. They didn't hoard money. Mm-hmm. And the greatest companies on this planet today, the ones that have just like, some of these companies have lost money for 25 years. Look at Amazon. Yeah. Reinvest. So, so when I quit studying individuals and started studying people, everything shifted for me. When I quit trying to be the, you know, when I quit worrying about what Bob was doing or Pete or whoever and started saying, hey, man, what is this big company doing? Mm-hmm. Because that also relieved mm-hmm. me of being competitive with this guy, Pete, and started saying, okay, I'm going to go do what Coca-Cola does. How much is it? Like, I'm going to ask that question, whether whether it matters or not. I'm, it doesn't matter where I get in my life. I, I don't think I'm ever going to be free of. How much was that? Because when I grew up, you had to know what things cost. Money is is a terrifying thing because it's the one thing in life that everybody gets money. It's the one place where everybody gets it, and now what do I do?
5: I think certainly uh, being focused on something that you're confident will have high value to someone else. A natural human tendency is wishful thinking. Um, Mm -hmm. so a a challenge for entrepreneurs is to say well what's the difference between really believing in your ideals and sticking sticking to them versus pursuing some unrealistic dream that doesn't actually have merit
0: when you have your non-negotiables you already get the most important things every day done but now according to circumstance I get the next most important thing and I can make decisions like this
3: because I already know successful people are about that they are good decision makers They are hyper resilient. They don't stop at failure. They don't get in their own way from an ego perspective. They're looking nakedly at their own inadequacies. And they've got enough confidence to get people going behind them.
0: The reason why people think wealthy people are people with money are sinister is because that's what you kind of taught in the hood. Like you kind of taught like the people who really have money, like they did some wicked shit to get it. It did some backstab and cut those shit to get it, and you'll never get
4: that. So it's a terrifying concept, like like power. You know, very few of us ever, ever get any kind of influence or power, right? Once you get it, you're like, hey, what do I do with this?
6: People are afraid of not getting validated, or they're afraid of judgment that they perceive from other people that exist or don't exist in their lives. A lot of people just underestimate the amount of effort it takes to go from good to great. And so for whatever reason, they have this second voice that criticizes everything they do that, in reality isn't even there. I would say 99% of the things that I have learned I've learned through doing.
4: And that's when it just snapped. It just I just said to myself, "Wait a minute. I made this with my own hands." I went and sold this to individuals and nobody was in my way. I didn't have to get a check from a boss, nobody told me when or to come to work or go to work. I can't get fired from this because of my color creed or whatever the case is. I'm responsible for what's happening here yeah. and I will either fail because of every decision I make or I'll also succeed because of every decision I make.
5: And it's, it's that, is a, it, that is a really difficult thing to, to tell, you. can you tell the difference between those two things?
0: Both people do three things man, they stop trading time for money. They make their money work for them, and
4: they give as much value to people as they can. And so I think people withhold themselves because we're not educated about money. We don't know where it comes from. We have a lot of misinformation about it. Our parents terrified us. You know, money doesn't grow in trees. Uh, save your money, it'll save you. All these, these these things our parents told us because they were enamored or encumbered with the same kind of liabilities around money. I don't know how to get it. I don't know how to keep it. The worst part that we're all at is I don't know how to invest it. Some people get good at getting it. Very few actually. Fewer people at keeping it. My dad died when I was 10. So he paid all his debt off, had everything paid. And and so that's all I had, right? Everybody around me was like, get money, keep it, don't use it. You know, but but you should invest. But nobody ever learns that third one. And so I think we're just a bunch of people walking around terrified of this appearance of it's scarce and it's not. You know, it's not. There's nothing scarce about it. This is what I did for 25 years, from 25 to 51 years old. Spent my most valuable asset, time, mm-hmm. to get money. Terrified, terrified every second of every day. That's that's really what's driven me the whole time. Was terror. When you don't know, you're going to be scared. So. I'm going out to get money. I won't, I won't spend any of it because I'm terrified if I can't. I don't know how to get more. I'm worried I can't keep getting more. So then I'd get the money and then I'd rush off and spend my most valuable asset time again to bring it to the bank. Still today, man, it's, it's tough for me to buy blue jeans if they're not on sale. <laughs> I'm like, this is stupid, man. Like, well, yeah. I'm just going to wait. Right. You know? So, so you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's really stupid that I even worry about it. Right. And I'm not saying on the come up, I think you should worry about it. But there needs to be where you can turn that switch off. Well, I think number one is there's a bigger problem with hoarding in this country than there is with spenders. What we hear is all the spenders. Oh my God, you know, he did this and he's overspending. But really, really you have more of a hoarding issue than you have a spender issue. I think people err more on saving and not knowing how to use money. So uh, what the advice I would give people is like, I would just assume that everything you know about money is incorrect so that you can actually have a white, you can have a clean, a clean board to, to, mm-hmm. to operate from. Because if you go out right now and try to stack new information, financial mm-hmm. literacy on top of you know a, a toxic foundation, mm-hmm. it, it, it's all gonna get all, that's why when I tell people don't go buy a house, everybody freaks out, they're like, that can't be right, that can't be right. Why? Because that's what, you, you've been told to buy a house your whole life because the banks want you to buy a house. Now, everybody just heard that's going to say, I just saw you buy a house in Malibu. I can do anything I want now. Here comes the arrogance. (laughs) So, But I mean, I'm in a position now, like if I want to buy that house in Malibu, I can. But on the come up, buying a house is not what you should do. You should, one, I would scrape off that you don't know anything. Two, I would invest everything you can in you. It's tax deductible. You never lose it. Your the the person's personal appreciation will always be bigger than any other asset class. Mm, I love that. Bitcoin can't match it. Real estate can't match it. My personal asset appreciation will always, it is infinite. You know, who knows? I could be the next male Oprah or somebody watching could be the next rock or whatever. Right? Uh Like that. What, what, what is that appreciation value? It's, It's, straight up. So the the first thing people should invest money in, even mm-hmm. use debt on is their personal improvement. Number one, invest in yourself. Number two, I would invest in your business, whatever your business is or your department, your division is the first 30 years of my career. I didn't have, I didn't own a company, but, but I did invest in my department, even though I worked for a company, mm-hmm. I had a secretary. I didn't have the company pay for my secretary. I paid for that. I wanted her to work for me. And so, um, invest in yourself you know like invest yourself then invest in your business or your department your skill set if it's your company then invest in your company even down to zero like I wouldn't keep I wouldn't keep money around I wouldn't save for a rainy day I wouldn't have an emergency account because you don't need it You, you don't you need you need what you need is you need hustle you need other people's money. You need to go knock on another door, make another contact. You don't need reserves of money. Uh, so what you need is cash flow So you, by making investments. That's the yes. third. In other things. Other things that don't require my skill set. So mm-hmm. that would be the third piece of advice to start investing in real assets. That cash flow can appreciate three that are, provide tax shelters. And if you look at those three criteria, Bitcoin doesn't cover it stocks probably don't cover it gambling doesn't that one gold doesn't silver doesn't real estate real estate nfts it, don't Yeah, nfts don't because they don't cash but the most important thing is that people need a leg you got you gotta assume, you gotta know that if you're in you live in america and you're having a money problem it is not because you're stupid and it's not because you're lazy it's because you have the wrong information if you got a thousand dollars i would like just keep you know keep investing in yourself until you got another thousand and then invest in yourself you know now now you got two thousand invested, investing you go mm-hmm. go go y- you should start making money faster at some point you should start like every time you make an investment in yourself if i put fuel in my car it's supposed to take me further so what, what do you do with a thousand bucks right you know i, I think you just got to keep investing in you until like oh, oh now i'm making three thousand mm-hmm. dollars okay boom reinvest all that again but what we do is we start taking it off the table. I think people just need to get on that that cycle of like, okay, I'm gonna keep repeating this activity. I'm gonna reinvest some money in myself, go to the workshop or whatever. Mm-hmm. Monday I gotta be hustling again. Until okay, now I got four thousand dollars. Okay, now I got five thousand. Now the income's starting to pick up. Income has to pick up. In the income should be an indication that whatever you're learning is helping you. That's interesting.
6: People are afraid of not getting validated or they're afraid of judgment that they perceive from other people that exist or don't exist in their lives a lot of people just underestimate the amount of effort it takes to go from good to great and so for whatever reason they have this second voice that criticizes everything they do that in reality isn't even there i would say 99 percent of the things that i have learned i've learned through doing most people had a graveyard of failures before they had their actual first success with 20 hours of focused effort most people can pretty decent at something. But most people spend years waiting to do the first hour. I think the things that were withheld from us are the things that usually we seek the most. Competitors don't put you out of business, but you obsessing over competitors does. The idea that my future self would trade all the money he had to be poor in 20 again made me really reanalyze how I saw living life in the moment. How many successful guys have daddy issues? So many. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, well, I didn't get his respect, so I'm gonna to have to compensate with my circumstances, with my environment, so that everyone respects me. Mm. And some people do that through fear, some people do that through violence, some people do that through success. It really just depends on what vehicle you choose. I feel like the deep need is the same. I think a lot of my definitions have been defined by my actions. I am the person who has done these things, and I will do things that will get me closer to the things that I want to achieve. A lot of my definition of self has always been based on evidence. I think it was harder for me in the beginning because I didn't have evidence to support what I hoped to be true about myself, which at the time wasn't. If I can just decrease the action threshold for people to begin and be okay with the fact that they're going to suck and it is okay to suck, you should expect to suck. And it would be unreasonable for you to be good if you haven't done it before. And so it's like, are you asking the universe to be unreasonable for you by expecting to be good on your first try? And so I think that if we can shift the time horizon that we think in, then we gain more leverage over our time, which we then know we will compound into money. Because I think if you can master the time, you master the money. What did you learn about the habits of the rich? I haven't learned much about the habits of the rich at all, to be very candid with you. I think that maybe there are some beliefs that, because like my dad was a doctor, I wouldn't Uh say he was like, you know, ultra wealthy, but like we lived an upper middle class, you know, lifestyle, but... In terms of like wealth as I think you and I would probably understand it I didn't know anything about that and I don't think I've ever really studied it very much I would say that my heroes now like I started studying wealth after I became wealthy so like what did you learn about it afterwards and what do wealthy people do that you think poor people don't do they pick higher leverage opportunities in a sentence so like rich dad poor dad like poor dad says get a job poor dad says get a higher paying job And, and the thing is there's so many innate beliefs that seem commonplace like well of course you know what I mean? Like, well, of course, you know, and you know, you buy some real estate and you know, it'll appreciate over time. Of course you invest in some stocks. Like, yeah, of course, poor dads just don't say that. And so you have to like learn that I think. And I didn't, so I'm grateful in that I didn't have to learn that because I heard that just was a, of course, yeah. Once you have some money, like, of course you don't spend your whole income. Of course you don't. And so there's a lot of, of course you don'ts that I think I, I inherited just by being in like saving father. But there's also some upper middle class people who don't save anything. But I think my dad did a lot of, I think he helped a lot with like money hygiene. I've had a lot of really good money hygiene from my dad. The big the big breakthrough that I had for me was when I stopped focusing on, and this is going to sound backwards, but when I started my gyms, I was all about building the business. right? And when I built the biggest companies that I've had and now recently sold, and now we have our portfolio, it was about how do we make the most money? And I know that com- sounds completely backwards, but the only way that you can make the most money is to provide an exceptional valued service and charge a ton of money for it. And because I optimized around making money, I, I started going for, for low capital expense businesses because I had lost everything after that five year stint. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, never again am I gonna reinvest every dollar from the business back into the business because I've lost it before. So. Th- when i started the, the next business and every business i've had thereafter like we take dividends every month and we do that because you don't wait till there's an exit 10 exactly. years later no, I mean, and put I'd all love, your money in i'd love to do both yeah yeah why not both sure right and so that was you take a
3: dividend and get a bigger of course. Base. yeah but and not just put money in and wait and get no money
6: back 100% and the thing is is and this was a fallacy i had cuz people always talk about like reinvesting in their business but i realized that that just meant that they weren't making profit and so, and so the vast majority of businesses, even the software world, is is somewhat shifting in this. Um, but they want to see profit, and then even better is if you have net free cash flow, which is just a fancy word for the amount of money that you can take out every month after making necessary investments in the business. And so, I wanted to have businesses that pumped cash flow uh, because I had lost it all before. If people were able to not ask for twelve months and just serve and. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm all about making money. Like, by yes. all means, go get your bag. But I think that what it does is it ends up freeing you to then make your real impact, because then you can start the whatever the next thing and hopefully your first thing is that thing. But realistically, it probably isn't. And all you have to do is look at every entrepreneur that's really wealthy the amount of graveyard businesses they have in their back, (laughs) right? right? And so like right now, if you're listening and you're like, I'm not sure if this is the perfect business idea, let me just save you the time. It's not because look at every other person who has been ultra successful, they have 10 failed business ideas. So just like, just start. So you can just start notching off the bad businesses, right? But extending the time horizon, I think only happens if you do shift the intention through which you're building it or you're just unbelievably (laughs) self-disciplined. But I think it's easier to just like start at it with the right heart because uh, uh, small tangent, but I think it'll be worth it, is that the reason that most people aren't successful, in my opinion, is that they sacrifice global benefit for local benefit, and that happens in all areas of life. You eat the piece of cake because you have an acute local benefit versus the global benefit of a six pack that lasts for a very long time or better health, et cetera. The three things that I think (laughs) were in common of the ultra successful were uh, inflated sense of self, as in they thought that they, they deserved big things, they wanted to go after big things, inferiority, never being good enough, and impulse control. Those are the three factors of the most successful. They're like when they did a common factors analysis, like these people think they believe that they can achieve all this amazing stuff. And then it's just, it's an amazing paradox because at the same time, they think they're not good enough and they are insecure about whether they, they can achieve it and they have impulse control and they just, they, they, and they stay focused on the thing. And I'd say the biggest breakthroughs that I've had, I think that will create a lot of the wealth that we will have in the future is is really a deep understanding of how long long is and shooting with the intention of like i'm only bringing this up because my youtube guy said it he's like i've never had somebody who actually started that i was like we'll see what we do in five years <laughs> i was like we'll measure that and he was yeah. like no one has literally ever said that to me i was like as long as i see progress i'm yeah. good because like
3: wants results in like two months you yeah know.
6: I, yeah like if we're making if we're going this way i'm cool i don't need to say like that's good enough for most people if if they could extend the time rise, because like, I'll give you another hack. You can know how wealthy someone is based on the time horizons they speak in. So if someone's talking about how they're trying to make, you know, make money this today. Like, hey, let me hold 20 for today. You know how, you know how poor they are. Uh, I have to say poor, like, you know how yeah, poor yeah, they yeah. are, right? If someone's talking about what they're going to make this week or this month or this quarter or this year or this decade. Think about how different the people are who are talking in those time horizons. Mm -hmm. And so I think that if we can shift the time horizon that we think in, then we gain more leverage over our time, which we then know we will compound into money. Because I think if you can master the time, you master the money.
3: If somebody is starting from scratch, what are the traits, skill sets that they should be cultivating in order to up the odds of their success? They should focus on
6: one thing. In general, rather than lots of different things that you're not sure about. Because if you're starting out, everything looks like an opportunity. So the correct answer is all of them are opportunities. But all of them won't work unless you pick one. Right. So you have to say no to all the other mistresses. So boom, you pick one. And then from there, I always say six figures is sell something to someone. That's it. And if you want more detail, sell something to someone. So it's one avatar, one product, one channel. So you don't have to figure out how do I create twenty pieces of content across. It's like Just pick one channel, one media source, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you know, whatever, Twitter. Consistently start going on that, whether that's cold outbound, whether that's content, whether it's running paid ads, whether it's uh, affiliates, word of mouth, whatever it is. um, And start reaching out to people there to start selling your stuff. And so I use something that I call the rule 100, which is 100 primary actions, whether that's 100 minutes of of content creation per day, 100 reach outs per day, uh, $100 of ad spend per day, Uh, like you have to pick one of them but 100 per day and you do that for 100 days and I promise you'll have you'll be making six figures if you do that people are afraid of you know not getting validated or they're afraid of judgment that they perceive from other people that exist or don't exist in their lives Um, and so for whatever reason they have this second voice that criticizes everything they do that in reality isn't even there um, but is constantly present it's like the antithesis of whatever the god figure is but just the negative voice and so I think that's the thing that stops most people from doing the stuff they know they need to do because if you think about like whether it's want to get in shape or i want to have a better marriage or i want to make more money most people on some level at a basic level they know what to do and my proof point of like even making money right most of us have had a bill that came up that was unexpected a tax bill a car breaks down a health thing whatever it is and we find a way and so when it's for someone else people are use the actual resourcefulness that they have to make the money but for whatever reason they won't use that same resourcefulness to make it for themselves and so i think that most people know if they want to work out uh sorry to to get in shape or to lose weight whatever they know they need to eat fewer donuts and move more in general but they don't right because they're afraid of getting started or they don't have the discipline to keep going which is they can't make the short-term sacrifice for the long-term achievement so big picture it's like there's usually some fear that's preventing from doing it and then how it looks from a behavioral standpoint is they do not make the short-term sacrifice of discomfort for the long-term achievement.
3: The tenacity it takes to face your inadequacies and continue to try, 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 that's where we've succeeded.
2: The thing with excuses is sometimes they're very true but it doesn't serve you, it doesn't serve your goal. So are you going to let it sit with you or are you gonna find a way around it?
3: To me, there's only one definition of success and it's entirely neurochemical based. So the goal is fulfillment, that's it, period, end of story. And the reason it's powerful is you understand that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your neurochemistry. Literally everything you do in life is about manipulating your neurochemistry. People are watching this show because they're hoping that we say something that manipulates their neurochemistry. You're gonna put music under this it's going to manipulate their neurochemistry you're going to cut it in a way that manipulates their neurochemistry they're going to do drugs eat fall in love have sex all of it is about manipulating their neurochemistry
2: i started to realize oh legacy wasn't having kids like actually having kids legacy to me was creating impact that when you're gone you have touched their lives
3: you can become anything you want to become but you're going to have to pay a heavy price to get there so the question is What is it that you want to do? Most of you aren't going to know the answer to that, so you're going to go explore. As Kevin Kelly says, don't prematurely optimize. Go experiment, go try things. Just like Lisa was saying, go play around, go enjoy yourself, figure out what it is that you like. Nothing is ever going to be self-evident. You're never going to come across something like, this is what I meant to do with the rest of my life. You are going to find something that gives you more energy than it takes when you find something that when you do it you're like "Ooh, this is fun and you're actually energized by it then you're going to go down the path of actually gaining skills in that the more you engage with that if that continues to be more fun now it will become a fascination once something becomes a fascination now we're going to really figure out if we can serve other people with that set of skills if you can you've got a hope of turning that into a passion there's a saying called brain plasticity your brain actually changes no matter how old you are your brain changes. And I was like, okay, well, if that's true, then if I put time and energy into something, my brain will change. I'll get better at it. And that will improve my skills. And then another obsession of mine is to get people to understand skills have utility. You don't read a book to get an A on the test. You don't read a book to check something off a list. You read a book to learn something that lets you do something in the real world that other people can't do. Uh, Elon Musk has a great quote. You're paid in direct proportion to the difficulty of the problems you solve. So you're learning something so you can solve problems, hard problems, that other people can't solve. And so once you understand, oh, this is mechanical, my brain is designed a certain way, there's a certain path that I have to walk to gain skills, and then skills let me do something other people can't do, and by doing things other people can't do, I'm able to serve myself and the group, that's fulfillment, fulfillment's the point. It it is so mechanistic. It's all just deadly simple. And when I'm giving honest answers, I'm always looping around, this is how the human mind works. And every time, every time I say something controversial, it's always about biology. I'm just like, okay. Like if you want to fight it, fight it. You're gonna die tired and I will propel myself forward because I'm not judging what is true. I don't deal with the world the way that I wish it were. I deal with the world the way that it is. What I'm good at and what we're good at together is not being right all the time. It's basically learning from your mistakes. So the physics of progress is you come up with a hypothesis it should be as informed as possible. You figure out a way to turn that into something you can actually do. So you're gonna run a test. Then you actually run that test and then this is where most people fall down, you have to lower your um, psychological defenses to stare nakedly at the results. And oftentimes that's gonna be, you didn't do something well, you didn't think through this right, you made a mistake somewhere. And then if you're willing to do that and you learn from that, then you can re-inform your hypothesis, make it a little bit better, run that whole system again. And once you get in that loop, then you can really make progress.
2: The key to me being driven is identifying what my passion is and my mission is. So if I don't have a passion and mission, then I don't have a drive. When we started Impact Theory, it really was to make change. So Quest was the answer to helping people in our lives who were struggling with weight, and Impact Theory was the answer to people in our lives who were struggling with a poor mindset. And someone like my mom, Quest was already a billion dollar company, and my mum was still morbidly obese. And I was trying, because I care about her so much. I just want her to live for a long time. I don't care about, you know, what she looks like. She's just like, mum, I want you to eat healthy so you can be around for a long time. And I try to, you know, give her free Quest bars. I offer to pay for trainers for her. And every time I would say, you know, mum, like, what can I do? How can I help? She just said, I'm too old. I can't. I can't lose the weight. I'm too old. And over time, we realized the power of the mind. The Quest was amazing for people that were going into the gym, picking up a Quest bar or like thinking, oh, I, I want to eat something healthy today. But it was meant nothing to the people that felt depressed, had anxiety or didn't believe themselves enough to even go after picking up a healthy protein bar like my mom. So for me, it really was the mindset was the big key. And then over time, as we started to wrap mindset and building a studio, because that was our background, we really started to realize that to create actual impact, like actual impact, you need to go after the younger kids because the age of imprint is between 11 and 15. That's the period where they're most susceptible to the messaging. And so if we really want to do no BS, what is it actually going to take to make global change on people's mindset? You've got to get them young. So we basically sat down and said, what does that look like? What type of studio do we build? And then for me, my personal thing has just been leaning more and more into young girls. If I could wake up every single freaking day and fight for that 14-year-old girl that was me that didn't believe in herself, that felt ugly, that was teased, that was made fun of for my looks, I will fight for that 14 year old girl so that if I can touch her then and let her know and have her help, help her to believe she can become anything she wants if she sets her mind to it and works hard, then I feel like my job is done. But it has to be to me on a global scale at that age. Um, that's how you really make real change. So every day I wake up for that 14 year old, Lisa.
3: Passion is about acquiring enough skills at something that other people care about and you You have to care about it first and foremost But if you care about it and other people care about it now you get into that reciprocal relationship Where and it could be playing the guitar it could be playing video games, right? Think about somebody that's just an absolute god-tier gamer and other people will show up at a stadium to watch them play They'll sit on twitch for hours watching them play. So you're doing something that brings joy to other people But they had to get freakishly good at that. They had to spend a lot of time improving their skill set. So they worked hard to gain a set of skills that allows them to serve not only themselves but other people. That is the name of the game. The problem is people are expecting something to be self-evident. They are told a lie that they're born with a purpose. You're not born with a purpose. You're going to decide that this passion, this thing that you've worked your ass off to get good at that allows you to serve not only yourself but other people, that's now your purpose. So when I was at Quest... My purpose was making sure that people had food that they could choose based on taste and it happened to be good for them. At Impact Theory, the goal is to give people a growth mindset at scale through story. So I'm just doing entertaining things, but it's designed to help them get that right mindset. That is my purpose. That wasn't my purpose when I was 12 or 20 or even 30. So you're going to decide and then you're gonna do things to reinforce that in your own mind. The most successful people in the world are the people that can self-soothe, So can you avoid being triggered? If you're being triggered and you look outward and you're angry at the person that triggered you, that's weakness, you are manifesting weakness. And you have to go, ooh, someone has triggered me, that means I have an insecurity around this thing, I need to address my insecurity. And then that's gonna put you in a far more powerful position to move forward. So the people that are successful, they can self-soothe, they can stay emotionally calm in the midst of a storm. When everybody else is panicking, they're only looking at solutions. And that's the other thing about the no bullshit, what would it take game. The whole point is to switch you out of problem mode into solution mode. Most people can only see these are the 152 ways that this could go wrong. And we started doing that to say, no matter how outrageous, there is a way to pull this off. So what would need to be true for this to work? Stop telling me all the things that aren't going to work. Tell me the thing that is going to work. And once you get to that, you will okay, well... If we did X, Y, Z, it would work. Okay, now are we willing to do that, yes or no? And if we're not, is there another thing that we are willing to do? But at least now we're operating from a position of that would work, and successful people are about that. They are good decision makers, they are hyper resilient, they don't stop at failure, they don't get in their own way from an ego perspective, they're looking nakedly at their own inadequacies, and they've got enough confidence to get people going behind them. It is this weird thing of, dude, I fear that I'm too dumb to do the things that I want to do in my life. I never know if I'm right and I go all out every fucking time and I'm just trying to make it happen. And so I have the courage of conviction to say, I know about myself. I will keep going until I figure this out. Not that I already understand everything, that I have the courage to figure this out. And then I will go through and I will weather that storm. People are intoxicated by that certainty, where I'm like, hey, get behind me. I will get us through this. I'm not telling you I already understand everything, but I am telling you I will not stop fighting until we get to the other side. Dude, the way that people will pile in behind you, when you do that, I have the chills now, because I know how people respond to that. So if you can manage your emotions, if you've got the courage to fight through that storm, If you're not easy to knock off your pedestal and you're humble enough to know that you're almost certainly making mistakes so that you know when to correct course, that's the recipe.
2: Legacy to me was creating impact that when you're gone, someone will, you have touched their lives. And to be able to meet a woman that maybe has read my book, Radical Confidence, or has said that they've seen a piece of my content and I've taken them from believing that they were maybe worthless or had no value or they didn't believe in themselves. And something they heard me say shifted their mindset enough that they believed in themselves after that. And they still have to do the work and things like that, but being able to make that shift um, is such an incredible gift, I think, like gift for me that I'm able to see other people shift their lives. It's amazing. And so, again, I can wake up every day thinking of that 14-year-old girl that maybe is teased or bullied and thinks that she's no good. And yet, something that I do makes her believe in herself. That just makes my heart sing. And then eventually, I think, um, ideally, it's for someone to say they have radical confidence, but they don't realize it even came from me, that I've impacted culture and the way we think about ourselves and the way we think about confidence so much that radical confidence has now become a blueprint for all, I want to say women, but of course for everybody, to the point where they don't even realize it stemmed from me because it's such ingrained in how they think.
3: When you know who you're fighting for, like you can picture them, they're real people to you. And you know that the, the gap between them continuing to suffer and having a tremendous life is a set of ideas and you just have to get clever enough into how you get those ideas across, it's very, very easy to get obsessed. This is, I am obsessed. I'm not, it's literally, I'm not even thinking clearly. I I have one vice and that vice is stress. And I endure stress in the name of getting those ideas across. I'm already rich. So what would be the point of doing all this? It obviously isn't for money. Um, and the part of the business that has made us quote unquote micro famous, it's like we could scale back to just that, but we don't. So because I think that the stuff that's made us micro famous affects the 2%. So everybody listen to this, you're in the 2%. The 98% are never coming to this channel. So those people, like today I said to Lisa, the last few days, my blood pressure has been so high, I keep getting headaches. And I'm like, You better have, when that happens, and you go, why am I doing this? You better be compelled to your core by the reason. Rockets,
5: you know, especially hard. Everything has to work the the first time. You can't do a recall, you can't patch it. It's got, it's like nine minutes to orbit or it's over. Do you want to see the car? Yeah! This is is one of the great questions in physics and philosophy, uh, is uh, where are the aliens? Maybe they're among us, I don't know. Uh, Some people think I'm an alien. Thank you for anyone who's bought our flamethrower. You will not be sorry, or maybe you will. (laughs) The room for improvement. (laughs) The way of doing this is to just give a hardcore smackdown to gasoline cars. They think that technology just automatically improves. It it only improves if a lot of people work very hard to make it better. Oh my
4: god. (laughs) That's unreal.
1: Founder, CEO, business giant, and tech mogul, Elon Musk is considered one of the most influential people on the planet. His story is weaved with epic failures and massive triumphs. as well as plenty of hard work and dedication.
5: I think certainly uh, being focused on something that you're confident will have high value to someone else. A natural human tendency is wishful thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So a challenge for entrepreneurs is to say, well, what's the difference between really believing in your ideals and sticking sticking to them versus pursuing some unrealistic dream that doesn't actually have merit? And it's it's that is a it, that is a really difficult thing to to tell. You, can you tell the difference between those two things? Right. You know? So you need to be sort of very rigorous um, in in your self uh, self analysis. I think certainly extremely tenacious, uh, and um, and then just work like hell. I mean, you just have to put in, you know, eighty hour, eighty to hundred hour weeks every week. so all those things improve the odds of success. If other people are putting in forty hour work weeks and you're putting in. 100-hour weeks, then even if uh, you're doing the same thing, you, you will achieve in four months what it takes them a year to achieve.
1: Elon Musk's long-term thinking keeps him on the leading edge of technology. He knows that the challenges he sets for himself and his companies are daunting and will take decades to achieve. Regardless of the doubters and against the odds, he confidently pushes forward, whether it's electric cars, space exploration, Mars colonization, or the advancements in AI, it's clear that his focus on the future of humanity is what continues to drive him each and every day.
5: I really want to make sure that there is a good future for humanity, um, and that we're on a path to understanding the nature of the universe, um, the meaning of life, why are we here, how do we get here, Um, and in order to understand the nature of the universe and all these fundamental questions. Um, we must expand the scope and scale of consciousness. Uh, we, certainly, it must not diminish or go out, or we, we certainly we won't understand this. So I, I would say I'm motivated by curiosity more than anything, um, and uh, just a desire to think about the future and not be sad, you know. And um, and, and are you are you not sad? I'm sometimes sad. I, I, mostly, I'm—I I'm, mean, I'm feeling, I guess, re- relatively optimistic about the future these days. Um, there are certainly um, some big risks that humanity faces. Uh, I think the, the population collapse is a really big deal that um, I wish more people would would, would think about, because um, the, the birth rate is far below uh, what's needed to sustain civilization at its current, at its current level, um, and. Uh, you know, there's obviously... Uh, and we, we need to take action on climate sustainability, which is, 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 is being done. Um, and we need to secure the future of consciousness by being a multi-planet species. Um, we need to address the... Essentially, we, it's important to take whatever actions we can think of to address the existential risks that affect the, the future of, of
3: consciousness. There's a, there's a whole generation coming through who seem really sad about the future. What would you say to them?
5: Well I think if you want the future to be good, you must make it so. Take action to make it good, and it will be.
1: When it comes to creating a business, Elon makes a point in saying to create something that will help solve a problem. Following his own advice, Elon has helped found and create businesses that have had a major and positive impact on humanity. He is continually looking to help solve problems that we face daily.
5: It goes back to when I was in in university, I thought about what what are the problems that are most likely to affect the future of the world uh, or future of humanity? I think it's extremely important that we have sustainable transport and sustainable energy production. That sort of overall sustainable energy problem is, is the biggest problem that we have to solve this century. Independent of environmental concerns, uh, in fact, even if producing CO2 is good for the environment, given that it's, we're, we're going to run out of hydrocarbons, we need to find some sustainable means of, of operating
1: Given his impressive track record for success and pushing the limits, it's unsurprising that Elon continues to inspire people across generations. In his mind, it's important to be useful, both to other people, but also the world. However, he acknowledges that it can be extremely difficult to be useful. Here is his advice for those looking to create a positive impact in the world and the thinking framework he uses to tackle humanity's biggest challenges.
0: Millions of people look up to you. What advice would you give to them about if they want to try to do something big in this world, they want to really have a big positive impact, what advice would you give them about their career, maybe about life in
5: general? Try to be useful. You do things that are useful to your fellow human beings, to the world. It's very hard to be useful, very hard. You know, are, are you contributing more than you consume? Try to have a positive net contribution to society. I think that's the thing to aim for. You know, not not to try to be sort of a leader for for the sake of being a leader or whatever. A lot of times, the people you want as leaders are are the people who don't want to be leaders. (laughs) If you can live a useful life, that is a good life. A life worth having lived. I would would encourage people to uh, use the the mental tools of physics and apply them broadly in life. They are the best tools. I mean, like a lot of things I learned in college actually were pretty helpful. I mean, I think the physics approach to thinking is very good, like the first principles approach. Applying the first principles approach to thinking um, is, I think, a good way to figure out counterintuitive situations. I do think there's a good good framework for thinking is physics, you know, the sort of first principles reasoning. I mean, generally, I think there are... what I mean by that is... Uh, boil things down to the, the, their fundamental truths and reason up from there, as opposed to reasoning by analogy. Um, through most of our life, we, we we get through life by reasoning by analogy, which essentially means kind of copying what other people do with slight variations. Um, and you have to do that; other, otherwise, it's, it's mentally you wouldn't be able to get through the day. Um, but when you when you want to do something new, you, you have to. You have to apply the, 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 the physics approach. Good. Physics is really sort of figured out how to discover new things that are counterintuitive, like quantum mechanics. It's really counterintuitive. So I think, I think that's an important thing to do. And then also um, to really pay attention to negative feedback uh, and solicit it, particularly from friends. Um, this may sound like sort of s- simple advice, but it's, h-
3: hardly anyone does that, and, and it's incredibly helpful.
0: Wealthy people do three things, man. They stop trading time for money. They make their money work for them. And they give as much value to people as they can. The reason why people think wealthy people are people with money are sinister is because that's what you kind of taught in the hood. Like, you kind of taught, like, the people who really have money, like, they did some wicked shit to get it. Mm. They did some backstabbing, cutthroat shit to get it. And you'll never get that all them people with money, they all crooks. Because being at the bottom teaches you to envy people at the top. One of the things that happens often in the culture of black people is survival mode. You never get a chance to play offense. You're always on defense. One, because of mindset. Because you don't see it. Again, the dope dealer and the rapper, everybody who's working is struggling. And so you never want to be that a good business is just like a good hustler a good business has great product they have great clientele a great hustler has a great product he has consistent clientele i understand that uh, knowledge is what gives us leverage in life it's not about how strong you are it's about what you can learn and then how can you actively apply that i have this acronym called fear finally exiting average reality right and what happens is until we can overcome the Fear. some people actually fear success mm. success comes with a lot right but until you can overcome that average reality that you live in, no matter what you're on once you become comfortable there it becomes average anyone can live in average everyone can live in mediocrity right then there's those outliers who consistently push themselves to go to the next level and the thing about the human mind and the human body it will go as far as you push it As long as you believe in it, like you said, the only belief that matters is, what do you believe you can do? I personally believe that there is nothing I cannot do. And for me, it's all about impact, purpose, fulfillment. Like the money is a byproduct of everything else. That isn't my focus. My focus is I have a knowledge and information that I know that can change lives, not just one life, not just like lives. And so the way that you change lives is by consistently learning, finding new ways to put that information out there, being able to open up, being able to be vulnerable because people need to connect. People connect to knowledge in the way that they can see. Two things that help people, imagery and vocabulary. What they see and what they hear, right? So most people won't connect to a certain knowledge because the people who speak it don't relate and two, can't speak the knowledge in the way that they can eat it. So for me, it's always about how do I attain as much? It's always a challenge for me. How can I attain as much knowledge as I can because I love learning, but then how do I take that and be able to now reciprocate it or give it to somebody who may not understand calculus or trigonometry, but if I can give it to them in this way, they can say, oh yeah, I got it and there's more people that struggled in the world that has become successful. So struggle has to become a language that I struggle. So that's the language I'm great at. So if I can break down things into a struggle language, now I make it the game winnable for everybody. And that's the goal, to make the game winnable for everybody who's bold enough to step into the batting cage. If you're bold enough to do it, there's an experience that comes from that. And that experience is so exhilarating, it will take you to the next level. Mm. Because now you keep chasing the next level of you. And that is when you start understanding life at a whole nother concept, when you start understanding that, yo, for the longest, I was just low-level living. I was low-level thinking. Now that I've been exposed to something, and I say this often, whatever you haven't been exposed to isn't your fault. Once you get exposed to it, you now are accountable for it. And so once I've become exposed to so much knowledge and information, once I expose you to it, you accountable because now you can no longer say I didn't know. So like just coming up in the streets, you only see the game from the lowest level. And you look at everybody else in part admiration and part like jealousy because you see it and you're like, damn, I'll never get there, right? And so the only way that I think I can get that is through sports or hustling. That's it, that's the only, Or rapping. Those are the only three options that you have. Mm -hmm. And so you you make a decision on which way you wanna go, right? And so you look at it from like, damn. And so me, I'm at the time like, man, I can't rap. Damn shit, I can't play sports. So hustling is what I got. You limit yourself and nobody comes along and teaches you anything different. Mm The reason why you give people so much value is because if you give them so much value, they'll never leave you. They'll always be there for you and you will never need for anything as long as you give value to people. And so I learned that as I got older, that part really didn't make sense to me at the time, but the money working for you part. And I was like, what the hell? How do you make your money work for you? Mm -hmm. Again, all I know is how to go get money. That's all I know. So later on in that, he says wealthy people do three things. So this may, we in the cell for about 45 days. So all of his conversations, now that you said, it never was black or white. Every conversation with him about money and transition was always wealthy people do. It was always, it wasn't white people do. It wasn't black people. It was always wealthy people do this. Right. Wealthy people do this. And I was like, damn And now that you said that, this now makes sense to me again. So he says wealthy people First they get into stocks then they start a business and then they get real estate so if when people ask me how did i get into stocks it's because i follow that rule mm. like first let me if he would say real estate business i would have been i would have been the real estate track <laughs> <laughs> but he said stocks first and i was like damn and so i just my my rest of my time in prison i wanted to be that i wanted to be a part of that wealthy conversation
3: explain that basic idea of ownership for people that might not
0: quite Put it together that stocks really are owning that company Mm -hmm. so i actually got that term from warren buffett owning a stock is like it's owning a percentage of a great business and so once i understood that concept i understood that the key to wealth is through ownership like that's what that's that was one of the things that made it click because i studied the wealthy people like i studied them Um, and i was like damn When you study Reginald White, one of the first black man to make a billion dollars on Wall Street, it was about, he wanted it to have ownership. So I said, the key to building wealth is not how much you can work. You can't work your way to wealth. You got to invest your way to, and all wealthy people, black, white, Asian, Chinese, they own a whole bunch of shit. The people who aren't wealthy is because they don't own nothing. You only have your money sitting in cash. If your money is just sitting in cash, Realistically, you're becoming poorer every day. Right. Or they own depreciating assets. And that's what cash is it's a depreciating asset because the more money they print, the more money that money loses value. Right. So if it's just sitting, it's the reason why the bank wants you to have your money there. So they can take it and use it and invest <laughs> it so much and be like, hey, it's just sitting. I'm going to give you 50 cents on whatever you had in there. Right. And so the idea of ownership was, you know, we can just start owning everything that we, no matter if it's just a stock. Like, that's powerful. Because if you can start owning the businesses that you now consume every day, you turn a one-time transaction to a lifetime of profit. And that was major for me because if I go to a store and buy a pair of Nikes, that's a one-time transaction. In order for me to get something from them again, I got to come back and buy another pair of Nikes. But if I own the Nike stock, long as I own it, it's a profitable, um vehicle for me so that one-time transaction can become a lifetime of profit if I own that business if I'm gonna buy apple if I know I'm an apple user if I know I got the phone I got the airpods I got the macbook I got the pc I got I excited when apple's about to drop something why wouldn't I own it as much of it as I can And so now instead of me getting excited about Apple Lime being around the corner because it's a new phone, I'm like, yo, you all about to make me some money. (laughs) And another great thing about the stock market is, for me, it now makes me pay attention to the world. And so now I understand what's going on in the world. I started learning business cycles, market cycles. You know what I'm saying? Like, because now I can understand, yo, this is okay. Things are going out of business. Okay, we're, we're in this cycle. Okay, people are hiring. Okay, we're in expansion cycle. And so now I started take, I took an economic class on my own without just understanding the world. And so you start understanding when something is happening in China. Okay, something happening in China. So I own Apple. Apple is, has 20% of their revenue in China. Okay, they might take a little hit right now. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. the stock market helped me start understanding how the world moves the fundamentals.
3: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all.